Today's episode of the Fountain of Life podcast. This is your host, Charles Zuta. For the past couple of episodes, we have been exploring the bigger theme of the cross, God's eternal message of love for humanity. And we've looked at various facets of God's plan of salvation. We've seen how God became man and all that it means to us. It's so amazing to see everything that God had purposed in himself and which he had over the years and generations rolled out gradually, pointing to his eternal plan of redemption for you and I. So thank you for joining us today as we continue to look at the bigger theme of what God has in mind for us. Why did Jesus have to die? Why did God have to take on flesh? These are all questions that when we get to understand, it helps to cement our faith and gives us the grace to fight for whatever Jesus had accomplished for us. But before that, we need to know the detail of what he really accomplished on the cross for us. So for the next couple of episodes, I want to turn my attention to looking at the benefits that accrue to us for all that Jesus had accomplished for us. But the most important thing is that God revealed himself to us in Christ. So we are going to be drawing closer to the crucifixion process proper and we'll see all that he accomplished and what every step of that crucifixion means for our salvation and our redemption as believers. So thank you for joining me today, and I really look forward to what we are going to share in today's episode. But let me just tease your mind with a little story, and I'm sure it speaks to a lot of the things that we are all going through these days, looking for that assurance, that understanding that God is with us, that his mercies are with us, and his grace are with us. And through Christ, he revealed himself to us. A story is told of a little boy and his family who were out traveling and um, they were caught in a storm, you know, in a hotel. And the parents, you know, are trying to catch some sleep because it's been a long, long day. And um, each time this lightning just blasts out and the thundering, you know, the young boy will run to his parents and tell them how terrified, how scared he was. And the dad will always tell this kid, yeah, it's all right. God is with us. And this went on for maybe two or three other times. And as the story was told, these parents are losing sleep. And, you know, it's getting to that point where you want to say, it's okay, son, everything is okay. 
So the third time this kid came back into his parents' bed after this lightning and all of that, once again, dad says, son, it's okay. God is with us. And the kid says something that maybe we all have felt that way or have said, you know, the, the same thing. The kid said, I know that God is with us, but I want God with skin on. And though the preacher said this in relation to some other topic, it applies to us in a lot of ways. We all want God with skin on. We all want to experience God for ourselves. We all want to know when the lightning and the thundering are roaring around us, we feel the warmth of our Father around us. We feel the, the, the support of God around us. So in Jesus Christ, God took on flesh, as we learned in the past two episodes. His God with skin on. But what was the purpose? So today, let's draw closer to the cross and look at why God had skin on. It's more than just teaching us about everything that God had not revealed to humanity over the years. Because Jesus came to show us the Father. But with Jesus Christ, we begin to see all the aspects of God that generations never got opportunity to know. So he revealed to us what God is like with skin on. Today, let us look at one of the benefits or some of the benefits of why he took on flesh as we draw closer to look at the crucifixion and what Jesus really died for. Because that will help us to feel that warmth, that comfort, that assurance that we so much crave so God is not like some distant religious figure that we are trying to understand, but it's actually in Jesus Christ demonstrating his love and his compassion and his care for us as God with skin on. Go with me in the Bible. I want to begin this by looking at Jesus' conversation as his demise drew closer. In the book of Matthew, chapter 26 this is what happened so they've gone to have the last supper and it all is pointing to the end of his earthly life as revealed in the scriptures so they go to the garden to pray and i thank god that this sets us an example that in those moments in life where it seems like we have no other way we are terrified we are we, are, we have our back against the wall. We need to find a place where we can call on God. God with skin. We need to call on God and draw closer. That is what he did. He could feel in his spirit the weight of eternity on his shoulders. And he knew what was ahead of him. And he resorted to prayer. So in the garden, as he and his disciples gathered, they prayed, and then the betrayal was going to happen at that moment. So in Matthew chapter 26, verse 52, the Bible says this. But Jesus said to him, him being Peter, put your sword in his place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Or do you think that I cannot now pray to my Father, 
and he will provide me with more than 12 legions of angels? How then could the scriptures be fulfilled that it must happen thus? So to give you a bit of a background to this story, when the mob led by Judas came to the garden to betray Jesus, we shall look at that in detail briefly. But let's start with this conversation. And Peter saw the danger, mortal danger that they were in. He drew his sword to fight physically. And what he didn't understand was that this is a spiritual battle, not a physical battle. And Jesus rebuked him and told him, you know what, put your sword away. This is not something you can accomplish by sword. It's more than this. But remember a lesson for life. If you take the sword, you perish by the sword. And then he says something very, very profound. He says that I can pray to my father and he'll send me more than 12 legions of angels. So right from this point, we are beginning to see the mindset of Jesus that this has to happen. I need to go to the cross. I need to die. I am not taking a shortcut to this. This needs to happen. This is why I came and I embrace it. I embrace this pain. I embrace all that it brings. And then he goes on to point to Peter something which will lead us into our conversation around that eternal sacrifice, eternal sacrifice that Jesus was going to make. He says, how then could the scriptures be fulfilled that it must happen thus? So Jesus was telling Peter, don't change the course of prophecy. Don't change the course of scriptures because I'm supposed to endure this, to go through this, because this is what has been written about me. This is what should happen. And it must align with what scriptures have said. So I want us to go into the scriptures to look at what is it that has been said about the death and the eternal sacrifice of the Messiah. And that is crucial because he told Peter, don't interfere with God's plan. Don't interfere with the cause of prophecy. Don't make anything that will change the direction that I should go as far as God's plan and purposes for me is concerned. So what is it that the scriptures have said that were fulfilled by his death and his resurrection? And those scriptures are going to reveal to us what his plan is and how that benefits us to give us that assurance that we need in our moment of distress to give us that inertia to fight for the things that he'd accomplished for us scripture supports everything that happened to the messiah and i want us to look at those First, if you could go with me to Proverbs. First, let's look at Luke chapter 22. So Jesus is telling Peter, this has to happen so that the scriptures will be fulfilled, that it must happen this way. And this is important because if God had made his plan of salvation for Jesus eons ago, then definitely those scriptures, those prophets talking about, remember the episode we're talking about how he revealed to the disciples on the way to Emmaus from the prophets, from Moses to the prophets, that is from 
all that had been said about him up to that moment where they stood, he opened the understanding to it. And we've seen some of them. He's, what he did in the garden and everything that was pointing to Jesus' death and resurrection. We are now walking in those final moments. And that is what I want us to see. So as he is pointing, scripture needs to be fulfilled. And that should support our faith to know that when we are talking about the death and resurrection of Jesus, it's not just an accident of the moment. He didn't just have an accident on the cross. He didn't just cross path of a bad Roman soldier. No, it's all be part of a calculated, purposeful plan of God that he made manifested at the right time for our salvation. Right. So in Luke chapter 22, I like Luke's account of the crucifixion, the betrayal, and all of that, because he adds a few more bits to it that may be in some of the other Gospels, but it's the same storyline across all the Gospels. So in Luke chapter 22, and the verse 47 to 53, this is how the scripture recounts Jesus' encounter with Judas as he purposed to betray him. And I'll be making a few links between this and how humanity came to be where we are today that we need God with skin on to redeem us. So in Luke chapter 22 from the verse 47, Bible says, and while he was still speaking, that is Jesus speaking, behold a multitude and he who was called Judas, one of the twelve, went before them and drew near to Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said to him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? Now, this might sound, or this might read like, oh, it's one of the Sunday school lessons that we learned, you know, growing up and all. But it's very, very important that this should happen. Like I said, we don't hear this conversation between Jesus and Judas in some of the other Gospels. But I like to pick this out because of what he brings or clarity that he brings to the whole crucifixion and the final hours of Jesus' life on this earth. So Judas comes with this mob. Remember, this started with Judas going to the people, that is, the religious leaders, and telling them, what will you give me? Note that word, what will you give me if I betray him to you? So he went out there and for personal gain, he was willing to betray Jesus to the people who want to kill him. So he came to the garden and maybe the people, because the disciples might all look the same in the way they dress and maybe their features, it was difficult for anybody to point Jesus out. Of course, according to the scriptures, there's no beauty in him when we see him that we should desire. And he was just a normal, ordinary person that if you meet, met him on the streets, you assume that this is just another person, even though he was God in the flesh. So it was important for Judas to point him out to them, you know, so they know who he, even though he walked in the temple, he did all those things with them. That should tell you 
how insignificant the people thought of him. Okay. So he came to Jesus and he kissed them. This is not just an ordinary case. It was a kiss that opened the door to betrayal. It opened the door or symbolized his intention to walk away from everything that he had accomplished with the disciples just for personal gain. Now the Bible says that if we go to Proverbs chapter 26, Proverbs chapter 26, why was this important for Jesus to comment on this? You know, he came and he kissed them. So what? And then he was betrayed. But it is not just any other person doing this. This is somebody who had been with Jesus. They had known him and everything was that indicating that this is a trusted person. They trusted him so much that he kept their money. So he's not just an ordinary person. And we all read, you know, this is a familiar verse in Proverbs 26, verse 6. Says, it is so important for us to understand that, you know, that Jesus Christ, you know, he says, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. You know, faithful are the friends. You know, if your enemy is doing something, you know, you know your enemy is coming to do you harm. But instead of harm, if he comes to kiss you, that is very, very deceitful because you know this person is your enemy. And if that person is coming to harm you, you expect that they are going to harm you. But when he comes and then he gives you a kiss, it is deceitful. It is deceitful. It is deception and it's very, very wicked. You know, it's like somebody giving you an embrace and they're stabbing you in the process. This is important because Jesus Christ is really the one who absorbs all the pain and the hurt that came with man's decision to betray God, man's decision to walk away from everything that God had purposed. So God's fury and God's anger is supposed to be borne by him. He's taking the full brunt of everything that was due us. So imagine somebody coming to do you harm by preempting it with a kiss. And the key word used there is, it is very, very, very deceitful. The cases of an enemy is very, very deceitful. Let us look again, you know, in Psalm 41. Let's go to Psalm 41. In Psalm 41, the importance of this whole betrayal process is so crucial that a lot of the Old Testament writers, by the inspiration of God, captured aspects of it. So in Psalm 41, in the verse 9, this is what the Bible says, Even my own familiar friend, in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. So you remember they broke bread together, they walked together as a family, they did everything together. So for Judas to come into the garden with this mob bearing torches and swords 
and every instrument to do harm to this same group. It is so, so painful that it is captured not just once, so many times. And so when Jesus says that, how could the scriptures be fulfilled that it must happen thus? These are the scriptures that he's referring to. And he knew it. And David writing eons earlier talks about this, that even my own familiar friend, in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. So these are some of the scriptures that had or were foreordaining or were foreordained to address this, to, to, to lay a path for the Messiah even as he laid his life down for us. And it's so important that it's not just here. If we go to Psalm 55, it also talked about in Psalm 55 and the verse 12 to 14. This is what the Bible says. For it's not an enemy who reproaches me, then I could bear it. Nor it is one who hates me, who has exalted himself against me, then I could hide from him. But it was you, a friend, my equal, my companion, and my acquaintance. We took sweet counsel together, and we walked to the house of God in the trunk. So, this is the level of the pain. This is the level that went into this betrayal process. Not just as, as simple as he's saying, okay, give me money and then I'll go betray him. He was plunging in the dagger in so many ways that it had been captured in scripture. So when Jesus asked him, Judas, do you betray the son of man with a kiss? It was coming from the very death of his soul. It was coming from the very inner being of the Messiah, looking at the hurt, the pain, and everything that comes with it. But most importantly, I want to tie it with something. Remember the word that is used in the book of Proverbs is that the faithful wounds of a friend. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. You expect it. You know that's going to happen. Okay, But the kisses of an enemy are deceitful imagine how the father felt when Adam and Eve decided that they were going to walk away from everything that he offered them in the garden imagine the pain of that betrayal that was a betrayal because they did they, they disbelieved everything that God said. Even though they've had fellowship with God, they had known God, they've had communion together with God, they, they, there's, they, there's everything that God could do with humanity. Adam and Eve had been exposed to it and they saw the goodness and the mercies of God. Yet somebody comes and tells them, oh no, God is lying to you. He's hiding something from you. You don't need to believe him. He knows that you can be better, but he's keeping it from you. How much hurt could that create in the father's heart? Knowing that he had good intentions, knowing that everything that he had done for man was good, and it was for good. And yet they chose to believe the lie. 
So the doorway through which humanity walked away from God was by betrayal. Betrayed the trust of God. We betrayed God's goodness. Mankind betrayed everything that God had invested in man. So it does make a lot of sense that the doorway that we lead into redemption is also through a path of deception and through a path of betrayal. Betrayal for personal gain. Remember, the reason Eve took that fruit was because she saw that the fruit was good. Good to make one wise. Good to, to eat. Personal gain. It was all personal about herself. She never for one moment, she and Adam for one moment, thought about God. So in much the same moment, when Judas led this throng into the garden, the whole betrayal process was centered on deceit. Was centered on personal gain. And with that, he ushered the Messiah into unimaginable pain. So it does make sense that Jesus would take notice of this initial step in that process of redemption where man betrays his friend, where man, for purposes of personal gain, opened the floodgate of pain on his own friend for himself. As we go into this series, we'll be looking at more of the scriptures that point to everything that was going to happen as we walk through the crucifixion process and as we walk through everything that happened from this moment where he was betrayed all the way to when he rose from the dead and each of those processes brings to us the benefits that accrues to us everything that he went through was for us not for himself so today remember the betrayal of jesus was not just a casual act, but rather it is part of God's plan and purposes to reenact everything that happened in the garden, to open the door for us to walk back into life. So as God felt the pain of that betrayal, Jesus also experienced that same pain of what it feels like when somebody you trust, somebody you love, somebody who you embrace as your own comes with torches, comes with enemy and points you out. I believe that this should reinforce our conviction that Jesus is not just an accident of history, but as the Passover lamb came at the right time to pay the price to bring us back into fellowship with God. And remember all of this was happening not on the day of atonement but at the Passover because at the Passover that is where they celebrate when that once and done sacrifice that was offered in Egypt to break the yoke of slavery was made thank you for joining me today and I believe that in subsequent episodes we will look at the other prophecies that relate 
to the suffering of the Messiah. And he did it because of us. Thank you so much for joining us today. And may God richly bless you. Thank you.